You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Monday edition. We've got Saturday, Sunday games to cover here from week 16, major playoff uh, pictures starting to become clearer with some games here. Uh, still a lot of tiebreakers and things to, to figure out as we move along the last couple of weeks here with those seven playoff spots and um, the extra week of NFL football. It's going to be coming down to the wire, and this is how the NFL wants it, Matt. There's a lot of teams that will have at least something to play for, I think, into week 18 of the NFL season at BD Peacock at Williamson in FL. Let's start, though, with the one freshest in our minds. We're going to kind of jump around here. I want to start with the blowout from Sunday night, then we'll get to the Saturday games and then uh, some of the Sunday games as well, including the one that involved your Steelers laying an egg Sunday. But how about those Dallas Cowboys just walloping the Washington football team 56-14, and I don't think anything told a better story than the Washington sideline fighting with each other, <laughs> knowing that their season was coming to an end in blowout fashion. Uh, 42 first-half points from the Cowboys. I mean, if you blinked your eyes, you missed the first three touchdowns in the first quarter of that game. Dak Prescott, four touchdown passes in the first half. This is what's scary about the Dallas Cowboys, Matt, because we talked about this team all season long, you know, the offense was carrying them early. And then, you know, it was a passing game one week, and then the running game let him down, and the running game would be strong. And then um, Dak was like, oh, is he, hit? is he hurt? And then the defense was taken over. And then when you see it all hit together, offense, defense, passing game, running game, that's a scary team to be facing in January in the NFL playoffs. Without question. Uh, I'm going to start with Washington real quick because – to their credit, I mean, they were losing 42-7 to at the half. And like you said, two college teammates, first-round picks, good players are fighting on the sidelines. It's all you need to know. They were in a tough situation here. I mean, COVID-ridden, terrible week of practice. Who's going to play? You know, who's going to be the quarterback on the road against a team that's much better than them? And that brings us to Dallas. Dallas is really good. And they withstood – some injuries, Tyron Smith, Dak, I kept mentioning his calf, maybe Elliott. And it looks like they're starting to really put it together down the home stretch on both sides of the ball, which is really scary. And on offense, they've kind of just missed on things here and there, but they were bound to kind of come back to the mean. And boy, this was just a, a collision of all good things for Dallas. It was not even the slightest bit competitive. And most encouraging to me is Dak looked like Dak again. I mean, he was just carving up this defense. Some of the worst fights I've ever seen in my life were between brothers, too. That, that's the mm. first thing I saw to, thought of when I saw them fighting on the sideline. Brothers, you're with them every day. They went together. They played together in college. They've known each other. They know what pushed each other's buttons. Um, and look, I'm not surprised one guy threw a punch at the other as he's putting his hands on his face. It's just one of those like na 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 things, right? Where your little brother's poking <laughs> at you, poking at you, and the big brother finally says enough and takes a swing, and you got to break him up. Um, but yeah, that's tough. Uh, the season ending, you know, in, in very public primetime fashion for the Washington football team. And it was rough for them coming down the stretch. And look, they played over their head, I think, for a couple weeks with a winning streak there, and then COVID hit, and really they just didn't have enough 
to to withstand that and and be the team that would come out of the, of the NFC with a with a wild card spot. And then you you factor in that it's the, a division rival Cowboys team. And then there's other stuff like um, there there was something about the the teams bringing their own benches to the other uh, uh, the opposing yeah, stadium. Dallas, and like I don't even know, know what, what the heck about. that was all about. But there's like extra extra stuff. And when you play people twice per year for multiple years you start to develop that sort of a rivalry too and you really want you really hate them and you really want to beat that team even if you respect them and you're friendly about it so I think all those things together uh, was something that we saw uh, come together there on the uh, on the Washington sideline unfortunate for them 56-14 the final I don't know if there's much more we need to talk about on the field because it was pure domination by the Cowboys yeah I mean Washington is done they're cooked I mean and I don't want to say this. We'll talk more off-season stuff with these teams, but this game was not a or this season wasn't a total wash for them. They they built some things, and you could picture a quarterback upgrade. And oh, okay, they're in a good spot. But Dallas really looks like the team to beat here, of course, this year in a division, but you know for the foreseeable future. And I don't know if they're too far off, you know, best team in the NFC category right now. Yeah, at 11-4, the Packers on Saturday, we'll get to that game in a second, uh, became the first team of 12 wins in the NFL. So right now, Cowboys will be looking at that two seed. And depending on what happens in the next couple of weeks, they might be locking themselves into that in home field unless they play those uh, Packers. But uh, really quick, so with, with Washington, you mentioned there, they're a quarterback away. I feel like there's so many teams that are like that right now. And, and right I now. want to talk really quick about the Denver Broncos, who are another one of those who lost to the Raiders 17-13. They've been playing such good defense under Vic Fangio this year, and there's so many arguments, too, or for – for, for firing and for keeping Vic Fangio as head coach because they really need something at quarterback. And it's another one of those teams where, man, if they figure out the quarterback, which is why, depending on Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and availabilities, and if either or both of them, and, and like what happens if neither one of them is available, how these teams figure out their quarterback situation because it's so obvious which teams need to take a huge swing at that. And and, and look, a, a, another game that I don't think we have to spend a ton of time on here with the, the Raiders defeating the Broncos at home 17-13 because it's so clear what those Broncos Need and it's pretty clear where the Raiders are as a team. Even though they won and they're eight and seven, uh, they're extremely flawed. And and I I kind of came away from this game feeling like exactly what we talked about coming into the game is like even though they both were mathematically in this thing, they're both too flawed of teams to really think they're gonna a make the playoffs or or b win a game if they even did get to the playoffs and and they need another offseason. I 100% agree and been pretty public on these airwaves that I've been hard on the Raiders. But I want to give them some credit here, too. I mean, they're still alive. I mean, believe it or not, the Steelers, Ravens, Raiders, and even the Browns are still alive for playoff spots as it stands now. And it's not crazy talk of how they can all get in, which is just nuts to me. I mean, but the Raiders (laughs) won this game, even though they turned the ball over three times and Denver didn't at all. I mean, they controlled the clock like crazy, 36 minutes and, and more of time of possession. And I really was shocked, you know, we could definitely talk Denver quarterback, and that's clearly their biggest problem. There's no question about that. But 18 yards rushing, I mean, Gordon was 7 for minus 4. No, Javante (laughs) Williams was 7 for 12. And meanwhile, Josh Jacobs quietly has really turned a corner in his career, catching the football a little bit more with Gruden gone, workhorse mentality. I mean, one team controlled the ball and the clock, even though they turned the ball over, and the other one just couldn't do any of that. And I do think you got to look at the 
the Denver coaching staff, especially the offensive coaching staff, and at least make a change there, offensive coordinator, and find someone to mesh with whoever that next quarterback is. Um, Fangio is a tough one for me, though, because I they're seven and eight. It's not like they're four or five win team. I'm pretty convinced he's a better defensive coordinator than head coach, but that defense is really humming. Right. Yeah, they, they are humming. And, you know, Pat Shermer, if Vic stays, Pat Shermer, you would assume would have to go in that case. So new coordinator, new quarterback is needed. But yeah, and the Raiders dared him to throw. They couldn't do it. And uh, yeah, it's seven rushes for negative four yards for Gordon in that game. And the rookie Javante Williams wasn't much better. Seven carries for 12 yards there. 16 total carries, including two uh, lock carries. Drew Lock carried it twice for 10 yards, which put him over one yard per carry. He ended up being seven, 16 carries for 18 yards. That's some of the worst rushing production bad. I've seen this season. And on the other side, Jacobs carried it 27 times for 129. They carried it 40 times as a team. So that was just one of those where, you know, sorry, your offense isn't going to sustain drives. You're not going to hold on to the ball, and we're going to sustain some drives and um, and put up 17 points and win easy uh and you know for the for the Raiders to my point earlier about just where they're at right now Derek Carr's leading receivers in this game were Foster Moreau and Zay Jones and right right you know, not Henry Ruggs and right. Ben Waller and right you know although really nice uh him uh, Hunter Renfro touchdown in the corner of the end zone there in that he's one. certainly been a find yeah oh, he's, he's a like exactly time. what you would like slot only guy get open tough ball yep. skills you know perfect exact prototype of, of that type of receiver we've seen in the, the league for so many years now yeah i mean real quick i mean it, 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 you could picture rugs renfro waller as a very potent very different three receiver you know compilation there i mean they could really attack in a, in a Tyreek and Kelsey manner and throw in a slot guy. And right now they have one of them, but they're still doing things okay on this side of the ball. I mean, I think Carr deserves a little more credit than he usually gets too. I mean, he's been put in a tough environment and continues to come out the better on the better end more often than not. Yeah, you know, he's talked about as an MVP candidate at the beginning of the year. Then everything happened right. with the Raiders. They've lost a bunch of games, but it's almost more impressive even though the statistically it's not impressive what he's done to keep the team competitive and together there through all of what they've gone through this season than than even you know statistically things going well at the beginning of the season when they jumped out to a 3 right, start. Right. And the line's not great yeah, and, you so know. Uh, Colts and Chargers left for the Raiders so still don't think that looks great for them to uh to pull this thing I think out. they have to win but, both mathematically yeah, but we'll both 10 wins gets you in. They I'm not going to say they can't do it. I'll say they probably won't, but you know they 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 can. It is a possibility, so we'll see. That'd be a heck of a story if they were able to pull that off. Sure would. All right, coming up, we've got those Saturday games. Feels like ages ago now. Browns at Packers and the Colts at Cardinals. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bars make it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. Best of all, Built Bars contain only one, most Built Bars, they, they vary slightly, but most Built Bars contain only 130 calories. 
only four grams of net sugar, only four grams of net carbs, and 21 grams of protein. Some have a little bit more protein and maybe 10 more calories. Uh, Compare that to a candy bar, which is usually 240 calories and 30 grams of sugar with dozens of net carbs. So you feel satisfied with all that protein, you feel good about yourself, and you feel like you ate something delicious. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. And by the third week of your New Year's resolution, you're thinking, ah, oh, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, built bars are covered in 100% real, delicious chocolate. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Maybe the underrated story of this game, Matt, Brett Favre re-injured that toe. And, Aaron Rodgers, you mean? Uh, I'm looking at Brett Favre's face. Did I say Brett Favre? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at a picture of Brett Favre because everything else that went on in that game, that can tell you what, what uh, the storylines are with this one. But, uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers passing Brett Favre's uh, record there for the Packers. Uh, but and I love the, stepped on again. I love the congratulations, by the way, you know, with Favre on the big screen saying, hey, let's go win another one. And so, um, but yeah, Aaron Rodgers getting stepped on again. Is that going to hamper them in the playoffs? And I'm a little bit worried about the Packers run defense here because the Packers are in. They've already clinched a spot. They beat the Browns and the Browns are uh, in a tough place right now. Baker Mayfield playing just got awful football and, and probably should have been on the shelf for the second half of this year with his injuries. And he comes back from COVID and takes a private jet and, you know, didn't practice. It was just a bad situation. Four interceptions for Baker Mayfield in this football game. Uh, but the Packers coming away with the win. It was almost to the point where you just keep handing it to Nick Chubb, even if you're trying to come back and don't try to throw from behind because of how bad yeah. the passing game was, but how good the running game was against that Packers defense. And they were allowing like eight yards per carry for, for the Browns. And usually you don't win football games like that. So with the run defense and an injured Aaron Rodgers, I think that's the underreported story here for the Packers. That worries me going forward for them, even though they're still holding on to that one seed right now in the NFC. Yeah, I think that's a hundred percent true. Um, some of my key takeaways are this has really been three years in a row now that Games maybe they shouldn't win. Consistently, the Packers end up getting a W when things aren't right, you know, when it's not going to script. They really have a knack with LaFleur and Rodgers of finding a way to win when they don't have their fastball. You know, I mean, you know baseball better than me, but there's some of these major league pitchers that realize after an inning or two they don't have their best stuff and they gut it out and they figure out a way to still go seven innings and only let up a run or two. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like to me, yeah. that's what the Packers are. I love that. And I, to me, I, I think LaFleur is running away with the, the coach of the year with what he's done his first three years. It's stuff we've just never seen. I mean, we, yeah. there's that run with George Seifert and the 49ers when he took over the, the Bill Walsh juggernaut. And he was always like at the top of winning percentage for a, a you know, a new head coach and a first time head coach because he just, uh, he just basically walked into a dynasty, right. And, and coached right, those right. same teams. And he was already the defensive coordinator for those teams that already had great defenses and a uh, hall of fame quarterback followed by another hall of fame quarterback and uh, the greatest receiver of all time you know so th- that's a pretty nice situation to walk into what, what LaFleur walked into wasn't a bad situation with the Hall of Fame quarterback but this is crazy he was 13 and 3 and 13 and 3 
and and might have even more than 13 wins in his third season. I mean, so uh, it's pretty remarkable what they're doing, and, and good teams win those close games, and sometimes you point at it and you say, oh, it's luck. They, they could have had this record if this went this way and this went that way, but it never seems to for the Packers. Never seems to. I mean, it's now three years running, but they're probably going to win 13 or more games and win the division, and they're not always the most impressive, and when us stat geeks dig into them in the offseason, well, they, they lost so many, or they won so many one-score games, that's bound to regress, or, you know, they, uh, you know those type of things. It doesn't really apply to this team. It's a big enough sample size. Um, I do think those concerns are valid. I also think one more pass catcher would sure be nice, but boy, is Devontae Adams <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, a ho-hum, 10 catches, 114 right. yards, and two touchdowns. Nobody's really talking about it because you almost expect it at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, just dominant and so pretty doing it. Such a technician. They rushed the passer really well. Rashawn Gary starting to turn into a star. I would not have picked him that high coming out of Michigan. I just thought he was all tools and no, you know, teeth. Mm-hmm. And that's turning around quickly. They sacked Mayfield, you know, five times, I think it was. Uh, Mayfield threw four picks. And you're right. Mayfield's interesting, and this is an off-season topic. I mean, to truly analyze him, we have to realize he's played through COVID and eighty-four thousand injuries, and has to do a lot of commercials. And you know, but it's not good enough. I mean, what he trots out there on the field is not good enough at all. But boy, can they run the ball! And some of it's like you said, we're going to run to get down against light boxes. But I'm not sure there's a better ball carrier in the league than Nick Chubb. Uh, he's a monster when he's healthy oh. he's really good because he's uh, yeah. and, and what's funny is my comp for the next guy we're going to talk about here with Colts and Cardinals Jonathan Taylor my comp for Taylor coming yeah, out was too. Nick Chubb because they had yeah. that long speed but they had the thump and the size and the burst in short areas and, and maybe don't have a lot of wiggle to their game but they've got the vision they see it they see the hole they hit it and they can hit home runs aside from being a powerful running back and get a tough yardage as well and those Colts defeated the Cardinals 22-16 we mentioned the one and two seeds in the NFC so far. The Cardinals, the former one seed, are all the way down to the five seed now and not even first place in their own division after this week 16. So the Cardinals falling to 10 and five. They're in a tough place right now with the red hot hot Colts now jumping up to nine and six on the season with the 22-16 win on the road in Arizona. I'm not sure what to make of the Cardinals. I mean, they're floundering a little now, but it's not... A total disaster. I mean, it wasn't like they just turned the ball over a ton. They just didn't execute particularly well. They didn't stop the run all that well. I mean, but they still averaged just under six yards of play, and they did some good things. I mean, and this sounds crazy, but I really feel like they could use Rodney Hudson back in the lineup just to kind of be a stabilizing force. I mean, they're kind of counting on, um, you know, uh, uh, no new Hopkins. You know, the running game's okay. The defense has come back to earth a little bit and got pushed around in this game. I mean, Indianapolis had some O-line issues, to say the least. I mean, they Quentin Nelson was inactive. Fisher got hurt. I mean, the guys they were playing on the O-line were no-name backup types, and it still didn't matter. Pittman played really well. Taylor had his you know normal production. Wentz didn't hurt them and made some throws, you know, and I, I think he's better than people think, and the Colts are just hard to play against. Yeah, I, I keep waiting for that 
Wentz game where he throws it away and throws a bunch of picks. Maybe he turned over a new yeah, league. Right. Like Frank Reich is really the the Wentz whisperer. It does seem like, and uh, you know he's not putting up huge stats or anything, but he's playing some winning football right now uh, for those Colts. And Jonathan Taylor, another twenty seven carries for one hundred and eight yards, got going a little bit slower in this one, and then ended up breaking one, which he does. You know, just like Chubb, there's every week you're going to see that play where he's running away from the defense and gets yeah, past yeah. that first level, um, heavily targeting. Pittman, as you mentioned in this game, no game-breaking plays, but you know, overwhelmingly targeting Pittman left and right. Twelve targets, eight catches for eighty-two yards. There uh, did have the Patman touchdown in the back the of the end zone. Pittman thing throws me off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I keep, I always think it's Pittman anyway because they're, they're <laughs> right. built similar. He's kind of tall. It's like number ten and number fourteen. And I look at, yeah. I was like, oh, that was Pitt- oh, nice catch by Pittman touchdown. I was like, oh wait, oh, it's Patman. Yeah. Never mind. Okay, that's a different guy, but. Um, I, I think overwhelmingly, and look, the the Cardinals needed that that um, that trick play on special teams, right, uh, to even kind of get things going. And I, I thought that was a fantastic call. And, that and, was awesome. By the and way, and I yeah. thought if Murphy had just a little bit more juice, he should have scored on that play because they um, they executed that play to perfection. But even still, with that in the second half and having that little extra uh, giddy up and that uh, that spark, they still floundered in the second half and just got straight up beat by the Colts and um I feel like they're qu- missing something questionable decisions I think what they're it, missing yeah. right now it's it, it comes from the top and I think universally people watching that game thought man I, I think you gotta point your finger to Cliff Kingsbury and I think bit. that's the the yeah. correct take here and it's, it's sort of a simplistic take but I think that's the right one at this point yeah, we just had a good conversation about the Packers and well, they win 13 games every year with their coach and find a way. Well, it's a pretty disturbing trend that Arizona, about this time of year, starts to become an average football team, you know, and that's becoming a trend mm-hmm. as well. Um, super side note here this Anton Wesley dude that caught the touchdown, big, tall receiver from Texas Tech, he's kind of a dynasty stash for me. I've heard they've loved this guy, and he keeps getting him on the field more and more. I just want to throw his name out there because I've never mentioned him before. Okay, deep sleeper. Yeah, yeah. Anton Wesley. Uh, 6'4", 206 out of Texas Tech. Uh, this is his second year. Was he like a practice squad guy last year, right? That's what, I think so. It, yeah, it, I didn't know much about him, and he just keeps popping up. And the more I watch him, I'm thinking, huh. I mean, he, he, they seem to like him. I keep getting reports of, too. So just a name to know. Stash him away in your, in your noggin. All right, all right. Put that back there. Put that back there. Um, all right, so we've got to move on to some other games, but obviously there's a huge one for the Colts to uh, solidify themselves in that wild card race in the AFC at 9 and 6 now. But obviously after Thursday night, still a game behind those Tennessee Titans who beat the 49ers. We'll talk later in the week about how the seeding goes, and we might have three-way tiebreakers, which just changes everything, Matt. You can throw all your head-to-heads out the window, which is which is a wild scenario, but we'll have to cover all of those things coming up, including uh, let's get to... Lions, Falcons, let's get to what else do we have? Uh, we got to cover your Steelers today, Matt. Who, that won't um, take long. Yeah, who laid an egg, I think, in Kansas City, even with an optimal situation because of COVID there. So that's coming up, and then we'll get to the rest of the week, 16 games, including Monday Night Football on tomorrow's program. But we'll finish up today with some more of these games, and I can't wait to hear what you think about uh, these Steelers and if you're going to put them to bed or not next. Things getting extremely interesting in the NFL as teams make the playoff push and bet online as you covered this holiday season and into the new year with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. Not only NFL football, there is college bowls, NBA, pro, and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, your favorite Vegas casino games, whether it's poker, 
blackjack. You can find it all, and you can take advantage of all the amazing offers available this season at betonline.ag. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Matt, was this the bedtime story? Do you tuck the Steelers in? Do you turn off the light and say, okay, uh, it's summer vacation now. Let's, let's go to your last day of school tomorrow, and then we'll, we'll figure out what to do uh, when, next year, next school year. Is that what's going on with your Pittsburgh Steelers after losing in Kansas City 36-10? to 10? Should be. I mean, that's how they're playing, and the AFC is crazy, and the Steelers won some games back in the you know, earlier that if they beat the Browns Monday night here, Ben Roethlisberger's last game at Heinz Field, and then beat the Ravens, I really think they're going to get in the playoffs. And boy, will I bet against them in the playoffs. I mean, this is a bad team that just got dominated. I mean, the last six games, I mean, there's crazy numbers. I mean, they're minus 41 in point differential in the first quarter over the last six games. Over the last six games in the first half, they've been outscored 114 to nine. They have nine points in six games in the first half. Every game, they are getting blown out in embarrassing fashion from the start. I mean, boom, gone. Usually people are running down their throats. The Chiefs were just dinking and dunking. And I give Mahomes all the credit in the world earlier in the year. I don't know that he would have been this patient, this efficient with his throws. Boom, back foot hits, things come out, pick on linebackers, whoever you want. You mentioned the COVID situation. I mean, when Kelsey didn't play, Tyreek did. Early in the in the game, you could see Minka would be, you know, really favoring Tyreek's side, and their number one goal was don't get beat by Tyreek, and that makes perfect sense. Hill didn't even play in the second half. <laughs> like, they didn't even need him. He didn't practice all week. He caught two balls early, went through the motions, and they destroyed the Steelers with Byron Pringle, Robinson, Gore, Daryl Williams. I mean, those are the guys that put up 36 against what was once a very good Steeler D, and the Steeler O is much worse. I mean, it's been as shot as shot can be. <laughs> when I saw... Derek Gore, fifty yard touch or fifty yard. It wasn't touchdown. Fifty yard pass. It's just like okay, this is you know that's all you wrote. right. Yeah, Pringle and Gore and Hardman uh, is all it took, and they didn't have to go heavy because we were wondering, you know, are they going to change their brand of football? Are they going to go heavy onto the ground? They ended up running it thirty times, but it was more game script than them. Oh, we're going to run the ball now. We're going to be a running team. Um, but and Edwards Alaire got hurt halfway through it and could be out for a while. It didn't matter. You know? I think it's pretty clear that Pringle's the the next guy, too. I mean, I think we already kind of knew that, and he was out playing Hardman as much as they wanted Hardman to be the dude, and Hardman did have that touchdown and getting one in on the pylon on the sideline. But Pringle's the next best receiver after Hill and um, and Kelsey on, on that roster. Seven, seven targets. He had two touchdowns, six receptions there. It wasn't huge numbers or anything, but he's, you know, he's an acceptable weapon for – Patrick Mahomes and you know seeing how this team is playing defensively right now shut out the Steelers in the first half of the game um yeah uh, the Chiefs are somewhat scary right now and I think they're going to run away with the the one seed and have a bye week and have everybody healthy for the playoffs and 
we're going to see him in the Super Bowl again. I mean, that's the vibe I'm yeah. getting from this Kansas City Chiefs team. And even without Kelsey uh, and and Hill, for the most part, seeing what they're doing in this in this game and see what they can do on offense. Um, just a reminder of how good Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and how good those Chiefs are. Yeah, I mean, th- there were some insane Andy Reid numbers from this game, too, about, you know, just his dominance in the division. I mean, here, here's a couple of Andy Reid things I, I jotted down was – Kansas City has now won 22 straight games played in November and December. (laughs) I mean, that's unbelievable. And they just won the AFC West for the sixth consecutive year under Reed. You know, I mean, (laughs) does 22 wins, does that go all the way back to like Alex Smith? I think so. It has to have. I mean, there's only what, eight a year. So, I mean, that's several years back. I just never, you know, Reed, you know, if you if you do some homework on Andy Reed, it's almost like Belichick Brady since he's been to Kansas City in that mm-hmm. his record versus division destroys them. You know, late in the year, never loses. You know, I mean, just crazy stuff that this guy, these guys are going through. And, you know, we kind of talked about LaFleur and Rodgers. Well, they're turning into the next group like this, but the Chiefs have been doing it a long time. And you're right. I mean, somebody's going to have to knock off the Chiefs in Kansas City in the postseason in order to go to the Super Bowl. Good luck. You know, we never get a chance to. So I just want to mention a couple names of the Chiefs that are really making this thing go, that, that go somewhat unnoticed, and it's the young secondary. Because everyone knows, even it's so easy to talk about the Chiefs' offense when you talk about the Kansas mm-hmm. City Chiefs, but they've played so well defensively uh, in the second half of the year. And everyone knows Matthew, and everyone knows Frank Clark and, and Chris Jones up front. But those those young players in the secondary, like Legereus Sneed, who made multiple plays in this game, um, Juan Thornhill, and some of those other players, too, yeah, uh, coming along, I I think is a huge part of that Kansas City Chiefs defense right now. There's no question about it. Now they're they're built well. They're opportunistic. They're versatile on that side of the ball. You know their pass rush stirs the drink, and they're aggressive with that too. They had a couple other, you know, not well known names that I thought really were impressive in this game. A, a defensive lineman Tershawn Wharton played really well. Mm. Uh, Willie Gay, the second year linebacker, is really starting to come into his own as well. So. They get a couple defenders that don't get a lot of pub either that are very valuable. All right. Those Kansas City Chiefs knock it. So the Steelers, yeah, Steelers going to have a big game. Uh, the Steelers every other week, which is why they're 7 one are, are good one week. Or Ben shows up and plays all right one week and then bad the next week. So next week, good Ben at home, his farewell. Then you lose the final week, 8-8-1, eight, eight, and one, miss the playoffs. That's the Steelers season. And then we can say Tomlin doesn't have never had a losing season. Yeah, it's <laughs> probably how it will go. Big and one next week, like yeah, all hands on deck next week, right? Like that's the one you got to win against the Browns. Yeah. Ben's last game at home. I mean, honestly, this whole week of doing Steeler shows, you know, we said over and over, I don't care if Kelsey and Hill play; they're probably going to lose this one. But if they beat the two division foes to end the season, they might actually get in the playoffs, which. It hurts my mind to think about because they are not a good football team. How about the the two-point conversion? I I want to talk about this. How about the two-point conversion at the end of the Bears-Seahawks game? The Seahawks lose to Chicago. Uh, This is for the worst team aside from the Lions in the NFC honors right here with this game. And it looks like it's the Seahawks right now. Both teams now 5-10 after a 25-24 win. The Chicago Bears beat the Seahawks in the snow on the road. 
in Seattle. How far have those Seattle Seahawks fallen uh, to be losing games like this on the road? Um, at least Russell Wilson looked a little bit better, I think, than last week. Didn't throw a couple, didn't throw any interceptions in this game. Rashad Penny's been running the ball well for them, but defensively just just not playing well. And to allow those Bears to uh, to come back and win this football game behind Nick Foles, a little bit of a, a late career magic there. Uh, I don't even know what to think about this game or this team because the Bears, they didn't look any different in the first half than any of the other quarterbacks that played for the Bears. Points so hard to come by, which is why I was very surprised to tune back into this game and see the Bears coming back and scoring points in the second half. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what to make of this team. I mean, if you told me that Rashad Penny was going to run for 135 yards and Seattle would rush the passer as well as they did against a Nick Foles, not even Dalton, let alone Fields, led Bears team, you would think, wow, I mean, this is just a dominant win at home in Seattle in the snow. DK Metcalf even caught a long touchdown. Holy smokes, you know, haven't seen that for a while. And the Seahawks still couldn't really control the flow or put the team away. Mm. I mean, the Bears dominated time of possession, even though they didn't run the ball super well. Foles didn't play terrible. I mean, a lot of Dinkin and Duncan. Um, I wanted to call out David Montgomery. I mean, I'm not saying Montgomery is one of the best backs in the league, but he does the same thing every week. I mean, catches seven balls for 61 (laughs) and runs 21 times for 45. I mean, a little over 100 yards of production, but just a lot of touches and eating the clock and keeping the game close. And then they were aggressive at the end. So I give the Bears credit, and part of me kind of looks at this game like, man, even the last year Seahawks wouldn't have lost this one. Is this rock bottom? You know, like this is a game they've always won. Yeah, at home too. And it's right. supposed to be one of the hardest places to play and a team to come back and beat you, a bad team to come back and beat you. It's, it's not a good look at all for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're, we're almost out of time here. I, mean, I said we were going to talk about Lions-Falcons, so uh, let's get to that one here from the All early right. slate of Sunday games. There's more important games than this one, but I wanted to knock out as many as I could today. And uh, those 2-12 and Lions did not have enough to defeat the Falcons, but they did cover the number, as we talked about, Matt. The number was, what, 5.5, right? And uh, they lost by 4 so. here, the Falcons defeating the Lions 2016. Yeah, not good football teams. I mean, I think we know that. Didn't have Jared Goff, and to me, I I was actually thinking about an upset special or certainly taking the Lions with points, but with Boyle there, I couldn't quite do it. He wasn't good, but he wasn't horrendous, I suppose. I mean, the Lions have established something that, you know, I think they can hang their hat on going into next year, and that's a big physical line and a respectable running game. I thought Swift might play, but he didn't. Um I wasn't blown away by Atlanta. I mean, this is a typical Falcons win. They have seven wins and still have like six of them are far from impressive. I mean, by no means do I think Atlanta is even an average team. Um, I guess my big takeaway was big game for Kyle Pitts, breakout game in a way. He's been a little slow, almost forgotten a little bit. And then you go, oh, I remember what an unbelievable talent that young man is. <laughs> right? Yeah, the the Tim Boyle led Lions, too, able to cover the number on this one. Williams looked fine. Uh, Monroe St. Brown really coming on in his rookie season, developing into a nice starting wide receiver there for the Lions. Yes, and, uh, absolutely. Pretty much both these teams were exactly what they thought they'd be coming into this game, and, and it turned out to be a, a similar result to what we would have expected in this one. So um, a, a lot of work to do for both these teams. Stock up in one, and I think stock down for the Falcons, despite a record 7-8 that, that just makes no sense to me. 
No, a hundred percent. And you know, the lions played their brand. They ran the ball. They played physical, you know, 38 minutes of possession time, you know, and that was enough to keep them in it, but not quite enough to win. it. All right. So some other games that uh, have some major playoff implications that we've got to get into tomorrow. I didn't want to throw them in at the end because we wouldn't have had time to really cover them and get deep into them. But the 11 and four Rams now leading the NFC West. Uh, they defeated the Vikings, so we'll get to that one. Ravens, Bengals, Bills, Patriots, Jags, Jets, Giants, Eagles, Bucks, Panthers, Chargers, Texans, and of course, Monday Night Football, which is uh, a big one for the NFC with those Saints hosting the Miami Dolphins. We'll cover all of those games coming up tomorrow. Thanks for making us your first listen, by the way, right here, Peacock and Williamson.